Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now we conclude our study in Proverbs chapter 9 with verses 7 through 12. As Pastor Joel Woodard brings the message, Finding Wisdom. Uh, We're going to finish our little mini-series at the beginning of 2023 in the study of Proverbs, The Way of Wisdom. Uh, And we're going to finish that out today, and then we'll start the book of James uh, next week. James is a very... um, uh, Proverbs-oriented book in the New, New Testament. And you'll see the, the connections as we start next week as well. But I would like to begin the message this morning by reading uh, Proverbs 9 and uh, verse 7 through 12. Proverbs 9, verses 7 through 12, if you want to open your Bibles there. And I'm going to ask you to, to stand as I read. Proverbs 9, 7 says, Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he'll be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you're wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Lord, as we uh, approach this book of wisdom uh, this morning, I pray that you would open our eyes so we could see you. You would open our ears, we could hear. And Lord, that our hearts would be directed uh, not to some knowledge ascent or, or that we just leave here knowing more, Lord, but that we would leave here being people who are shaped by the way of wisdom that is found in a relationship with you. And so, Lord, as we even study, uh, study a couple of themes in Proverbs, Lord, that you would be uh, magnified and glorified and, and everything would be pointed right uh, to you and that we would have uh, hearts that would be softened and shaped by your words this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, Before we get to the text today, I actually want to set the message up by sharing with you a a quest, a quest that has been happening for uh, centuries and even hundreds of years, Uh, a quest that has shaped my childhood. Uh, If you are my age or maybe a little older or a little bit younger around there, you've probably been shaped by the adventures of Indiana Jones. Uh, Indiana Jones and all of his great quests, but there's probably none more than the, uh, in the Last Crusades, the quest for the Holy Grail. And, and the quintessential scene, and even if you didn't watch Indiana Jones, you've probably seen this scene before, because Indy's he has this long quest, these years of trying to find the Holy Grail, the Grail that Jesus drank out of, that's said to mean it's going to bring like life 
uh, if you drink from it. And he finally finds it in the cave. Do you remember this? Nod your head if you remember this story. And he ducks his head in the cave, and, he, and there meeting him is like this thousand-year-old knight who's like, well, that's weird. But anyway, this knight is in there, and he goes, uh, if you drink, if, you know, if you choose the right cup and drink from the right cup, then uh, it, for you it'll be eternal life. But if you, if you choose poorly, then the life will be taken from you. And right behind him, remember there's those bad guys that come in that are following him, and they come in, and they're, and they're like, oh, I'll choose which cup it is, and they choose this, oh, this has got to be the cup, and they drink it, and the guy like ages 60 years in like 30 seconds, you remember that? And he gets all like, and he blows away and dies, and, and that's when the night goes, he chose poorly. Yeah, he chose poorly. But you know that quest for the grail didn't start with Indiana Jones. Uh, because if you're a little bit older than me, then you might remember a movie called uh, Monty Python's uh, Search for the Holy <laughs> Grail. You remember that? It's like this satirical spoof on King Arthur, though. And that's not Indiana Jones. King Arthur is looking for the Holy Grail. Uh, and and it's, just, it's just, yeah, satire, really funny. But, you know... Uh, the search for the Holy Grail actually started a long time be before that, not just 15 years before Indiana Jones. It actually started in literature in 1190, where there was this French author named Christian, I think his name, we'll just call him Christian, and he wrote a book entitled Percival, the Story of the Grail. Uh, he picked up King Arthur's knight Percival and, and talked about how the innocent Oh, and Will and Maddie, it's so great having you guys here. Those little squeaks, I know as parents, you're like, this is a lot, but we love it. It's not loud at all, so we're just glad you're here. Uh, so now back to the story. So he writes the story of Percival, this, the Percival the Innocent, who actually is, his dad dies. He was a knight. He's raised in the forest, and he, he, he's on this quest for the grail, and he finally finds it. He sees it when he visits, visits uh, the Fisher King's castle. And there he see, sees the grail being paraded from one room to the other. But as he's writing this story, uh, midway through a sentence, uh, the writer Christian dies. And the story uh, is left unfinished. And so for decades, even, even hundreds of years, people have been picking up his story to finish the quest for the grail, which is where Indiana Jones tips his hat of the night. Uh, that's Percival who found the thing. We've, they've been writing the story. The story continues for the quest for the holy grail. Now, in the same way that Percival and King Arthur and Indiana Jones were on a quest for the Holy Grail. That would bring them life. Today we're going to see that there's another quest at hand, a quest to find wisdom that will bring life. As people, all of you are continuing to write this story of wisdom or foolishness. And you might be here this morning wondering, well, uh, that's great. I'd love to find wisdom where do I find it? How do I know if I've discovered it's really wisdom? I mean, is there a class that we're going to be teaching here? Uh, find Wisdom Class 101, or maybe a program or a book to read? Or maybe you're thinking, oh, I don't want to go over to uh, Egypt and have to go into some caves to find wisdom. Where do I find wisdom? And practically, it's the questions of, should I stay at my job or should I go? Uh, practically, it's, should this person be my friend or not? How, how do I navigate this family issue? Uh, should I say something or should I 
keep quiet. There's a quest for wisdom. So how do we find it? How do we find wisdom? Well, this brings us back to the book of, of Proverbs as we've been looking at these last couple weeks. It's this aged father who is speaking wisdom to his children. He, he's encouraging them, get wisdom. Above all else, get wisdom. And we saw this wisdom... Uh, it's not just this like knowledge out there. This is a skill in living. This is applied, active uh, skill or tool in living life. The last two weeks we compared uh, the way of wisdom and the way of foolishness, and we saw that they each lead to diff- much different things. One leads to life and one leads to death. But we also saw both wisdom and folly or foolishness call out to the same people in the same place, using a lot of the same words even. It's like we're hearing wisdom and folly speaking to us in stereo. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And he who lacks sense, come to me. And as we hear these voices in stereo, we're left to discern which voice do we listen to. How do I even know which one is wisdom and which one is folly? How do I find wisdom? Well, there's this... uh, really great teacher, Dr. Sinclair Ferguson, and he says this about the quest to find wisdom. He says, finding wisdom means not only distinguishing the right from the wrong, it means distinguishing the primary from the secondary, the essential from the indifferent, and the permanent from the transient. And yes, it means distinguishing between the good and the better, and even the better and the, uh, even between the better and the best. It is the ability to make discriminating judgments to distinguish between and recognize the moral implications of different situations and courses of action. It includes the ability to weigh up and assess the moral and spiritual status of individuals, groups, and even movements. He calls this, this is the quest to find wisdom is found in this discernment. So, So how do we find wisdom? Where does this quest take us? Well, uh, much like a, you'd need a compass and a map if you're going to go on any quest, the book of Proverbs actually gives us something like a compass and a map. Only we find these in two words that are thematic throughout the whole uh, book. These two words help us uh, orientate and decipher between wisdom and folly. So I, I want to take some time, and we're going to look at each of, these, uh, each of these words, and hopefully we will take them for ourselves and use them as a compass and a map for, so that we can find wisdom in our quest. The first word that we're going to look at is found in chapter 9 and verse 10. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's our starting point. If, we, if we're on a quest for wisdom, where do we begin? And Proverbs would say the fear of the Lord. Fear. Uh, this, this idea of fear, we even talked about it in Rooted Connections. And if you're interested, come next week as we uh, kind of prep for the, the sermon even before uh, the sermon, as we kind of dig ourselves and uh, dig for ourselves in God's word, this this idea of fear it also ha- often has a negative connotation in, in our culture. Uh, this idea that uh, who wants to be afraid of something, and we're all kind of afraid of stuff. And, and this fear is that really what God wants us? That He wants the fear of of Him. And it's actually it's too bad that. Uh, it's translated fear in English, so that there's not a better word for it, uh, because in the Hebrew, it has a much bigger uh, connotation. 
So the, this quest for wisdom really begins with the fear of the Lord and this idea of fear. So I want to take just a minute and, and kind of give you the, the Hebrew word for fear. We've learned some Hebrew words uh, in this Proverbs uh, series, and, and I'm going to give you two more uh, this morning. The word for fear, the word for fear is yira, yira. Can you say that? Yira? It's like yeehaw, but with an R in there. Yira, yira. The Vine's complete expository dictionary of the Old Testament words gives it this definition of yira. To be afraid, to stand in awe, or to fear. To be afraid, to stand in awe, or to fear. See, it seems that yira is this emotion or like physiological response to, to something. Uh, to be afraid. Uh, when I was in Georgia, I used to cut the grass of the radio station my dad worked for. And we would be on uh, like a riding lawnmower, but it was right next to this canal where they had like 10-foot water snakes that were horrible. I hate snakes. Uh, and I would go along, and, it's, and so to be afraid of something is to start sweating and your hands start shaking when you see that snake in the ground. You are afraid. There is this emotion, this physiological response to something that you're afraid of, uh, like that snake. But it's also to stand in awe. To stand in awe, it's like when the sun is, is setting and the sky is turning this amazing sea of red, and it's turning Mount Hood a different color, and it makes you, like, stop in your car. Have you ever done that? And just look. And sometimes you almost get, like, goosebumps. And you breathe even deeper, like, you take a deep breath and go, wow. That's Yira. Now, we would say fear, uh, but it's also this awe. To stand in awe or to be afraid. Now, let me give you one more definition from... Uh, a dictionary, a biblical dictionary. This is a dictionary of biblical languages uh, from the Old Testament. For yira, it says this is the definition. Reverence, fear, worship, or awesomeness. Now, now how often do we mix fear and worship? It seem like different things, don't they? Uh, but somehow in this definition of yira, both of these are going on. This this, uh, to be afraid and then uh, to stand in awe, to, to fear and to worship. So, so how, are those going, how are those going together? What, what is going on here? And so this week I came up with my own definition of fear that's much longer than the dictionary ones, uh, but I, I think it captures the heart of, of what this yira, this, uh, what we translate fear of the Lord is. And here's my, here's my definition. Yira is the natural response of a proper understanding of your current position before a holy God. Now, that's a lot. Let, let me just read it again. It's a natural response. It's something that just comes from in you, like uh, sweating before the snake or the goosebumps for the sunset. It's something that, that happens. It's a natural response to a proper understanding if you really knew that that snake was 10 feet, you would be afraid. If you have a proper understanding of it, if you, if you really have a clear knowing, this is, re, this is really the reality of it, of your current position and then before a holy God. 
the idea of yira, the yira of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, is to truly understand where you stand before a holy God. And, and I think what the biblical text says, if you truly have this yira, it'll either lead to being terrified or to worship. Being terrified or worship, and all of it depending on your position. So let me, let me give you another uh, example uh, of this. When I was a kid, we lived in Ohio, and my grandparents lived in Buffalo, New York. And every time we went to Buffalo, New York, we always visited Niagara Falls. It felt like every time we had to just go there. But every time you go there, has anyone been to Niagara Falls? Yeah. If you've been to Niagara Falls, you just, it makes Multnomah Falls look like kitty play. Like, it's, like, it's unbelievable when you go there. Uh, we used to go, uh, see that little boat? There's a little boat that goes out there. It's, it's a company that they call them the Maid of the Mist. And they would take you actually out there in the boat to really close to the bottom of the falls. And as a little kid, you'd go out on the deck and the wind like uh, from off the falls and the mist would actually like you, a little kid on the deck would like be pushed around. It was, it was, it was super fun. And as you look up at these, as a kid, right? <laughs> and, and as you look, they give you these big rain these big raincoats that are like, because you get soaked. But as you look up at these falls, you stand there and go, wow, this is amazing. It's unbelievable, beautiful, powerful, but you're in, a safe, you're in a safe spot. Imagine if you were at the top of those falls, standing in the middle of that as the current and the water is pushing you ever closer to the edge and the drop-off of the falls. If you truly understood where you were standing up there, you would be terrified. Uh, we heard stories of people. There's a river that goes off of that, obviously, and it's called the Niagara River. And there were people that thought they were brave enough to swim across the Niagara River. But the current on that river is so strong that, that we heard several people who tried to cross it. They'd either start like a couple miles up and end up just crossing it when they're just down there. Uh, but, the, but there were several people that we heard of that tried to cross it and ended up getting swept over and, and dying. Yira, the proper understanding of where you are in relation to something that is powerful or mighty. Uh, if you had a proper understanding of where you were in relation to Niagara Falls, it would either cause you to, to be like, this is incredible, or I'm terrified I'm going to die. The proper understanding of where you are, your position. The, the quest to find wisdom, that's where it, it starts. There's this natural response to this proper understanding of your current position before the Lord. This yira, it, it's in all of us. Uh, so the question, if you want to find wisdom on this search for wisdom, the first question to ask is, do you know where you are standing before a holy God? And for some of you, uh, you might be like in the boat in the middle of the mist with your back and you've just been distracted and you haven't turned and gone, wow, the grace and mercy I've received should cause us to do something. And on the other end, if you're up on the top of Niagara Falls trying to work hard, trying to swim upstream, the day is coming when you're going to face judgment. If you're standing uh, up at the top of the falls, there's going to be a day that brings your death, the day of judgment. 
if you find yourself before a holy God, sinful, rebellious, trying to do it in your own, trying to be good enough, trying to swim hard enough, it's, it's bringing you, it's, it's pushing you towards your death, and there will be a day that that comes. But if you confess your sins, if you accept the, the free gift of salvation through Jesus and his death and resurrection, he has moved you from that position on top of Niagara Falls to be able to be down in the boat to worship in, in safety. He's moved you from one position to another position. He has moved you from fear to fear, from yira to yira. From the trembling, knowing that there's something missing and I'm going to face an almighty, all-powerful God to worship, understanding that he has forgiven your sins and you are free. The proper understanding of the grace should then result as we gather together as a church in worship of this powerful God. He... This is a natural response. Well, unless you're just simply trying to ignore it. Unless you're trying to, to swim upstream and just put the waterfall behind you. Unless you're in the boat and you're just busy looking on your phone and just trying to ignore it. But the proper understanding of your position will cause either uh, fear or, or worship. The fear of the Lord, it's actually used 14 times in the book of Proverbs. Let me, I'm just going to give you a couple of them. You can look them up on your own. They're probably in the concordance in the back. Uh, Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools jump into the Niagara River ignoring the sign, Don't swim here. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Proverbs 14, 26 and 27 says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, that one may turn away from the snares of death. The fear, this yira of the Lord is just the beginning. It's just the beginning of our quest. Did you notice that? It's the beginning of wisdom. So how do we continue? How do we lead our way on this quest? If you have uh, turned from evil and you've been found your place, your position in Christ is now anew and you have found refuge in him, how do, you, how do you continue in that way of wisdom? And this is where we get to our next word, like a map and a compass. This next word that we really need in the book of Proverbs is the word hear. Hear. Listen. Here, it first appears in chapter 1. So Proverbs 1 and verse 5 says, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Hear, hear. Let the wise hear. Hear, again, has a much broader context in Hebrew that I want to share with you. It's actually probably one of the most well-known Hebrew words, and you've probably heard this word before if you've been around the church at all. The word is shema, shema. Can you say that? Shema. We have yira, shema. Yeah, you want to say that? Yira, shema. And if you put them together, it's kind of fun. Yira, shema. Okay. I don't, I don't think you do that, but it's fun. Yira, uh, shema. Hear, and fear, fear and hear, yira shema. Shema means to hear, to listen, and it also means to obey. 
there is a there is a hearing part of it, but then there's also an action part of it. Shema, Shema, and and this is how I remember Shema. Uh, so it begins with shh, shh, like you're hushing a baby, right? Shh, shh. and and you're like listen, listen to mom. Shh, Shema. Okay, Shema, Shema. Now you know, Shema, Shema. To hear, shh, shh listen to Ma. Okay. <laughs> To hear or obey. Uh, we have, these are different definitions in English, but they do come together. Uh, if you've ever been a parent and you've told your kid to do something and they don't do it, you might ask them, did you hear me? Not meaning, are your ears, like, can you, are you actually listening? You know they heard you, but they didn't do it. So then you ask them, did you hear me? Meaning, why didn't you do what I say? Because there's this, this authority between this relationship, and if you hear it, then it should result in doing or, or action, like a parent to a child. Did you, are you listening to me? Meaning, you, you're going to be doing whatever it is that I'm saying, Shema. Uh, to hear, over a thousand times in the Old Testament, this word appears. We're going to go through each one of the... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It appears 30 times in Proverbs, and I just want to show you a few of them. But, but after you get this, to hear or to listen in Proverbs, you're going to see it all over the place. Look at Proverbs 1 and verse 8. Hear, Shema, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Proverbs 4.1. Shema, hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you might gain insight. Listen to obey. Follow these instructions. Proverbs 4, verse 10. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the words of your life may be many. Proverbs 8, 33. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. We even had this idea in Proverbs 9 as we read it, but although we don't have the word, you have the theme or this idea. And in Proverbs 9, in verse 9, it says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. And why? Because they listen and they obey. Wise, they hear, and they get wiser. This quest for wisdom, it begins with this yira, this fear, your, your relationship before a holy God. It continues on this quest with hearing or, or listening or, or obeying. But what do you find? What do you find when you finally find wisdom? What is it that we are looking for? To discover. And as we find this quest to find wisdom, we're going to discover that it's actually not some like fortune cookie saying or wisdom in some book. This, this quest for wisdom actually leads us to a relationship, a relationship with the Lord. Uh, I want to take uh, a little bit and see how this, uh, these ideas of fear and hear are actually illustrated in one of the very first stories in the Bible. It comes from the book of Exodus. God has taken uh, his people who were in slavery in Egypt and he's brought them out into freedom uh, through the sacrifice of the innocent lamb and their blood. He's brought them through the waters and they get to uh, this mountain and it's there. God's like, he's going to give them some instructions for how to live and how to have the skill in living well and, and be different from all the other nations. So they get to this mountain, Mount Sinai, and Moses goes up and God gives him his first instructions. Here we go. Exodus 19 and verse 5 says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice 
and keep my covenant. You shall be my treasured possession among all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Uh, now that you know Hebrew, if we were going to slow down and, and translate this word, indeed obey, you, you, would, under, you would recognize it in Hebrew. It, it, indeed obey in Hebrew means shema, shema. Uh, the the double word gives emphasis. You know, kind of like we're like, oh, do you like him or do you like really like 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 him, uh, <laughs> right? It's the emphasis of what of what it is. So he's saying, if you will, shema shema, like if you will really listen, if you will really take it to heart and move on that, if you will really hear the voice of God. Now, what that means for the Israelites, if God's setting this up, if they'll really listen to my voice, means that God was going to be in their midst, that God was going to be speaking to them, that they could hear his voice. And in fact, you get to Exodus 20, and the very first thing that happens is God actually speaks, and they can hear it. He speaks what we call uh, the Ten Commandments, these ten words that he gives. They weren't first written down, they were first spoken by God to his people. But their response, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see in just a minute, their response was uh, a yira that left them trembling, trembling with fear. Exodus 20 and verse 18 says, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet, which is often spoken of in prophetic words as uh, the trumpet is the voice the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, uh, you speak to us and we will shema, we'll listen. But don't let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. He's saying, don't, be afraid. Don't fear. Why? Because this is a test that you'll fear. And you're like, oh, am I supposed to fear or am I not supposed to fear? Uh, we have this idea of the fear of the Lord all through the Bible, and yet we have commands in those same books to don't be afraid. And you're like, so am I supposed to be afraid or am I not supposed to be afraid? Well, this, I, it goes back to this idea of yira. He's, he's saying, I want to move you from fear to fear. From being afraid to this awe and worship. Uh, I don't want you to turn your back on it. I, I want it to draw you into relationship with me. If you would listen to me. And they go, yeah, this, this is scary. Uh, we don't want to do it. Uh, we're just going to keep swimming up river. Can you just give us some instructions on how to swim better? And God's like, you're missing the point. Do not fear. God has come to test you that the fear of him might be before you. That, that this awe and worship that you see, yes, he's a holy God. He has compromised none of it. But the same stance he's given you so much grace and mercy and forgiveness that every one of us should go, I don't deserve this, but wow. Not that we tremble, but that we worship. That we move from the top of the falls to that safe place in the boat. 
the trembling that they were having, they, it was a proper understanding of their uh, position before a holy God, but it should move them to get out of that position <laughs> and go, I need forgiveness. I need someone to rescue me. The quest for, for wisdom, it begins with this fear, this yira. Where do I stand before a holy God? It, but it, it goes on after you're in the right position to hear and listen and be in relationship with him. They didn't have podcasts or YouTube or uh, different recordings over there. If you're going to hear somebody, it meant you had to be right there with them. Wisdom is found then in walking with the Lord every day. It's a fearing and a hearing before moving and acting and deciding. It's before you, before you do anything, as you, as you encounter a difficulty or, or a situation that needs some, some action or, or movement, you ask, where would this put me in relationship to a holy God? If I watch this show, what does that do with me? If I make this decision, if I say these harsh words, where does that put me? Does it put me on the top of the Niagara Falls with the current pushing me over to death, or does that put me safely in the boat in a refuge with Jesus? Where do I stand before a holy God? And, and, and the next thing is, that's where it starts, but then it goes, now I'm in position to hear from you, Lord. What, what does your word say? Would you give me instructions? Now, asking questions like, did I pray about this before I just decided to do it? Now, Amy's great at that with me. Did you pray about it? I'm like, I don't need to pray about it. I, <laughs> this, this, but, but that's stopping and going, oh, did I, have I listened to the Lord? Am I in, a, am I in a, a, a spot to hear from God? Do I know what his word says? Do I, am I listening to other people? Wisdom, it's more than a fortune cookie. It's more than just information. It's a relationship with the person. And that wisdom is found in Jesus. The Yira and Shema. Yira, Shema. It's the map and the compass to find Wisdom that points us to Jesus. Uh, there's some guys in Jesus' day, smart guys, who came up to Jesus and were like, hey, uh, like, we, we, want, we want to walk with this, this skill and living. So, so what's the greatest commandment that, that there is out there? How do we prioritize these things? How do we discern what's, what's good and what's best in this? And Jesus' response, he, he responds with the Jews uh, there's this prayer that they have that is entitled Shema, which now you know. And it's taken from the first word of the prayer from Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4. The Shema uh, is this prayer. And when Jesus says, if you're looking for wisdom, if you're looking to, for discernment, here, here's what it boils down to. And he prays the Shema, the, the hear. The Jews would pray this uh, every day. When they get up in the morning, they were instructed to pray this. When they went down to sleep at night, they were instructed to pray this. When they left their house to start on the way, they were going to pray this. When they got to the place they were, they were going to pray this. Uh, when they uh, started something new or a new meeting or a new uh, class at school or whatever, they, they would pray the Shema. Anytime there was a, a change in their day, they would pray Shema. So let me, let me just uh, read it for you. And then add on what Jesus said as well. And you'll hear the word, this ideas of yira and shema, the, the, the fear and the hear. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel. Hear. Be in relationship to me. And not just hearing the words, but doing them as well. Hear, 
O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Hear, O Israel. And then Jesus says, and the second is, is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, it seems that when Jesus goes, if you want to live a wise life, it's going to lead to relationship to God and to others, to, to loving God and to loving others. The Shema then was really the way that shaped the Jewish people. When, when they talked about spiritual disciplines, uh, they would say, Shema is shaping me. You know, we've been reading a proverb a day as a church, and we're getting to the end of that. And hopefully you found that um, encouraging, uh, maybe a little bit discipline uh, invoking in you. Maybe you've missed a day or two, and you need just to experience the grace that it's okay, uh, that another day is, is coming. But as we get into these routines in our, in our lives, what can shape us on the way to wisdom? If you want to live with wisdom this next week, if Jesus was here, I think he would say, here. Shema. He would say, hear, O Hollyview, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. So my challenge to you uh, for the month of February, uh, it's, it's simple, it doesn't take very long, uh, but as you get up in the morning, before you do anything, just say Shema. Hear, O Joel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I should love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, and my might. And I should also love my neighbor as myself. And that's it. And then maybe when I get in my car and I sit down and turn the car on, maybe pray the Shema. Hear, O Joel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, I should love my neighbor as myself. And have that Shema start shaping me so that when that guy cuts me off in front of me and I am ticked off, but I've just prayed and I should love my neighbor as myself. And I'm reminded of, of that. That I'm Shema. I'm turning from evil and turning to my relationship with the Lord. So what I've done, even these last uh, couple weeks, is I took it kind of from Joby who put on his screensaver, you know, when it goes in the lock mode, he put his name and his phone number, and I'm like, oh, it's a genius, because then when it's locked, people will know who to call. And so I put that down, and then I put the word Shema. Uh, and every time I pick up my phone, the first, thing I, the first thing I see is the word Shema. And it's reminded me this last couple weeks. So when I see that, I go, hear, O Joel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You love the Lord our God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second is like this, I should love my neighbor as myself. And then I do whatever I'm going to do. But it's amazing how many times I've said Shema. <laughs> because I pick up my phone quite often. <laughs> and every time I pick it up, up, Shema. Hear, O Joel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And, and have that shape you. And just try it. February is a short month, but just try it. Uh, maybe putting it on your phone if you're up for that or a little sticky note on your computer, or a little sticky note on your car, uh, somewhere where you can uh, just memorize it and say it. And even if you get it wrong, that's okay. Just try saying it over and over again. Now you know Shema, Shema, Shema. Uh, let me pray, and then we get a chance to uh, experience what this Yira of God is like in worship. 
Lord, uh, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for the words of life that lead us to you. And Lord, I pray that if someone is here that is in that position, that they are fighting against the current uh, of you, Lord, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of that, that sin, that rebellion is death. And there's a, there's a way through Jesus' death and resurrection that you can put us in a new position from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And I pray that they wouldn't leave here without talking to me or one of the elders or uh, someone they, they know in the pew next to them, that they would give their lives uh, to you, that they would be moved from that position. And Lord, I pray for, for all of us who have even done that, Lord, who get busy on our way and we end up turning our backs and uh, not, not standing in all of you. Lord, I pray that you would uh, allow us to really understand, uh, have a proper understanding of our current position before a holy God, and that it would result in worship our whole, in our whole lives, not just here this morning, but throughout the week as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212, between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.